What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 30 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, 30. That's a pretty big milestone. It's not technically correct. I think if you look, we're actually around (laughs) episode 80 or something crazy like that, which is actually crazy. But 30 weekly Wednesday episodes that we've dropped every single Wednesday except one since November. Listen, that's not a bad, you know, milestone hit. So I will will happily take it. Um, You know, nice. So we'll celebrate a nice round number here of 30 as we just get off of celebrating a nice holiday weekend for Memorial Day. Yeah. Pat and I were talking beforehand. He was lucky and didn't have to deal with the horrible (laughs) rain in the Northeast. It was didn't even feel like a a holiday weekend. But I mentioned on the the walk off that I did last Friday The beginning of months are my favorite times to record because I think it's the perfect, it makes coming up with topics so easy. You can sum up the last month, you can talk about MVPs, and we have a lot of good content coming this week and next week when we're going to go even more in depth. But today we're going to do AL and NL players and pitchers of the month of May. Yeah, per, like you said, perfect timing here with this dropping on June 2nd. You know, I think this is going to be a little bit of a theme as we do, as we move through, through the months. It's a really, you know, fun thing to do is look back yeah. at the past month and kind of point out some of the top performers. And uh, really looking forward to kicking off June by starting back and looking at who the top performers of May were. Yeah, and the ball, it's continuing to get warmer, which means the ball is being put in play more maybe at some point this season the mariners as a team will bat above 200 but nope no promises there (laughs) no promises no 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 promises i was on it sorry to cut you off i was on a a podcast a baseball podcast a red sox podcast sorry called bastards of boston baseball this past week it was really fun i just met them on twitter and went on which was cool and we were talking about kike hernandez and how he was hitting sub 250 and how he's becoming basically a liability in the lineup. And then I logged off, the the show ended, and I thought, (laughs) I'm not sure in 2021 if that statement has any sort of truth in it, the way that the entire league is hitting. So I might have been way too harsh on Kike. And 250 might put you in the top half of the league right now with some of the averages we're seeing around baseball. (laughs) That's still embarrassing. Yeah, but it's still not, puts it's not you great. better than a lot of other people and teams. Yeah, so as you said, let's hope that the weather as we turn to June, though as you said, you wouldn't know it by being in the Northeast this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely picked a good weekend to be down South. Uh, let's hope that some warmer weather really picks up some offense and picks up some numbers. Yeah, so many stadiums went to full capacity, and at Fenway specifically. Which is awesome. First full capacity, it poured all weekend and it was colder than 50 degrees so gotta love that <laughs> gotta say perfect way to celebrate it i mean right? <laughs> best way to celebrate a baseball game being in 40 degree rain weather There's nothing yeah. like it <laughs> so we we each picked four players and this is what i was going to tell you i told pat that i had something funny but i wanted to say it while we were recording i thought without a doubt we would have repeats that's Isn't that right. weird when you do stuff? Like, I, t- I specifically texted you beforehand mm-hmm. because I thought for sure we would have a repeat and I wanted to prep somebody else if you already had him. And we didn't. And that just goes to show how many different ways you can look at this because I thought my guys were 
runaway players of the month and you had four completely different guys yeah i love that we have four different ones so we'll get a chance to talk on eight different players today yeah. i did i will say for two of them i seriously considered it but uh, decided to go to go my way with it and I'm, I'm excited that we don't have any overlap yeah all right you start with al player or pitcher whichever you prefer i'll go position player we were just talking okay. about offense right so we'll stick with someone that has provided a lot of offense especially in the month of may and we're going to go down to a place where the weather is warm and that would be texas and i, I have to give my player of the month to adolis garcia el bumby has been so exciting to watch and this past month past month he was on fire a 330 batting average 11 home runs in the month of May. He is one of the more exciting players in baseball right now. He is one of the more exciting stories in baseball right now, going from the Cuban League to the Japanese League. He was DFA'd by the Cardinals. He was DFA'd by the Texas Rangers, his own team, went unclaimed, and then has turned into, you know, one as I said, one of the better stories in all of baseball. And of course, everything's about his offense, especially all the home runs, 16 home runs so far this season. But I also want to point out, he's been one of the better defensive center fielders in the game. Baseball savants got him in the 89th percentile in outfielder jump uh, on balls out in center field and center field. We know is a premium defensive position. It has been a incredibly exciting month for El Bombi. And he is my May American league position player of the month. Yeah, I, I, Definitely gave him some consideration. He is my runaway AL Rookie of the Year. Oh, it's so exciting. A 28-year-old rookie. Right? It's great that you bring up the rookie portion of it. Because it's just, as I said, it's just such an interesting story. I guess technically, your mean Mercedes is 28 and a rookie. That's pretty cool. You got the two of them up there. Yeah, I hadn't even, I completely forgot about Mercedes. Shame on me. But that that's going to be an interesting race down the stretch, actually, now that I think about it. No, Garcia's awesome. The other thing... That I was thinking about as you brought it up. How many times are we going to hear about a player with a resurgent career after mm. he has been DFA'd by the Cardinals? Oh, that's that's the painful part. And Is everything good in St. Louis? Randy or... Rosarena, Luke Voigt, and yep. we can add Adolis Garcia to that list. Yeah. It's, we all, we picked players where their teams are all in different stretches. Mm-hmm. I picked a guy from the Rays who won 16 of their last 17 the Rangers aren't in that position, obviously. Nope. <laughs> They're the last <laughs> team in the West. But in a season like that, there are few moments to celebrate. And Garcia has been that moment for them, seemingly game in and game out. And I actually think his defense is supremely underrated. And they sorely needed that in Texas. They had been struggling to find a solid center fielder. And Garcia is all of that. And even though he's already 28 even though he's a rookie that's still a lot of prime and I think that can he can be a guy that the Rangers build around yeah I think you're right and especially you know harping on the Rangers part of it that this isn't going to be a great year for Texas as we've seen you know they're sitting there 11 games under 500 they're kind of still figuring out what the heck they want to do you know are they going to keep Joey Gallo are they going to trade him they're Mm -hmm. waiting on prospects like Sam Huff to come up um it it's a weird spot is the best way to put Texas right now. I would go full rebuild mode, but we'll see what the Rangers decide to do. But at least Adolis Garcia has been the bright spot for them and has been one of the you know brighter stars in baseball through the first two months. Yeah, at least in the American League. They've mm-hmm. also got a high draft pick. Yes. So are they going to pick one of the two of Jack Lader or uh, Kumar, Kumar Rocker? Kumar Rocker. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of different options. This, this is going to be a very 
the draft is up in the air because yeah. teams. There's a no high shortstop too. The, there's a couple of shortstops. There's a catcher. To, I yeah. think Henry Davis from Louisville's is at the towards the top of the draft. There are a lot of guys with not a lot of you know obvious slots yeah. to go for those top picks. So it's um you know it could go a bunch of different ways. Oh, I like that. That makes it very interesting. Yes. So I wrote down probably four or five players for both. AL and AL and NL position players. I had my pitchers down right away. My ALs included Garcia. It included... They all just left my head right now. Uh, <laughs> it included Vladdy. It included Xander, Bar- Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers, who I think have had great months. Mm-hmm. Those are all good options. But the guy who absolutely blew me away was Vladdy's teammate, Marcus Semien. This guy had a career month. I honestly think he might have had the best month of May of any positional player in baseball, maybe one notch below my NL pick. <laughs> but Semyon, on the year, he has now a 2.7 Fangraphs war. His weighted runs created plus is 152, which means that's 52% better than league average. And then in the month of May... Just under 130 plate appearances. He has a 368 average, which is almost 80 points higher than his average has ever been in May. And I see that as a good outlier, not as a bad outlier. Mm-hmm. 429 on base, 702 slug, 1.13 OPS. His BABIP is way up, way over 450. And his weighted runs created plus is 210 in one month. This is a team, I mean, the Blue Jays are kind of in a weird spot. It's performances like this from this one guy that's going to push the Blue Jays over the edge. If Semyon can put a couple of games together, if a guy like Grichik, if a guy like Guerrero, if a guy like Guriel, all of them start clicking together, you know what else is going to do? It's going to get Marcus Semyon a multi-year contract yeah. <laughs> because he is playing so well right now. And even if Guerrero is still dominating the headlines... Samian can be back up in that leadoff spot in George Springer's wake. He's still that mentor to all the young guys, and now he's just tearing the cover off the ball. Probably should have gotten that multi-year contract this offseason anyway. Yeah. I, I know we talked about it in the offseason that we thought this could be a real impact signing for Toronto, and that is exactly what it has been through two months. And what I'll give you that has been most impressive for Samian so far his hard hit percentage is at 45%. It's crazy. It, almost it, half the time. Almost half the time he is making solid contact. That is well above what, what else he's ever done in his career. And remember, he was one of the MVP finalists in 2019. Yeah. And even that, he is 8% higher in hard hit rate than he was that year. I mean, he, as you talked about it, Vladdy gets all of the all of the praise right now and, and all the eyeballs, and deservedly so because he is such a fun player to watch. But this Blue Jays lineup does not tick the way it is currently going without Marcus Simeon towards the top of the order, really holding things down. Um, and it's part of what makes Toronto such a fun team to watch this year. Yeah, and they had a weird May. They lost they six did. straight. They they it's still a four game race in the AL East, but it isn't nearly as close as it was maybe two weeks ago when we last talked about it. I wish the numbers showed how much of an impact Semyon was making. He still is, but I wish the record showed that. And I've always felt like I needed to advocate for Semyon because, yes, he was just about league average before his crazy year when he finished third in MVP voting, 
Mm-hmm. But my thinking in that is that if if he was way below league average and then he had this crazy year, something's off. But if he's league average or slightly above league average and then he has a great year, that just elevates his game. And now he's showing flashes of even better than that top three finish. I think Semyon continues to age like fine wine, to put it. Oh, bluntly. I love that. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's getting older, but I think he still has a lot of prime years ahead of him. And I don't, I'm, I'm shutting down the critics and thinking that year was an outlier. Semyon has a very good bat. Yeah, exactly. I'm not betting against him. You know, in age 30, you got to assume there's still a couple years left right. in, in that bat that can be really, really high impact. And I had <laughs> just a very impressive month of May for him. As you said with the Blue Jays, it is unfortunate. It's really not the Blue Jays' fault. The, the problem is yeah. that Tampa Bay just will not lose a baseball <laughs> game right now. So that race, as you said, and as we've talked about before, is probably the most interesting one in baseball up there with the the National League West. But yeah, yeah. Marcus Simeon, a deserved, deserved candidate and deserved player to spotlight here for American League Position Player of the Month. I mean, he's two years older than Garcia. Mm-hmm. So p- please give the guy some credit, Yeah, everybody. And, and a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. So you segued perfectly. I'm going to go into my AL Pitcher of the Month. Sweet. And it had I had to go either Position Player or or pitcher on the Rays, because they have been on an absolutely insane run that isn't being talked about enough because they're on a small market team. And I think that is always a reason why players aren't getting enough credit, a.k.a. Marcus Semien when he was in Oakland. It's Rich Hill. Mm -hmm. And you know what his nickname is. I'm not going to say it here. I'm not going (laughs) to say it either. (laughs) You know what it is. On the season, I'll preface it with the season for all the guys I talk about. 11 starts, 57 innings, just about a 3-3 ERA, 3.87 FIP, a 0.7 WAR. You might see that and think, okay, that's good. That's not great. But the reason why he is maybe not runaway, because I think there were some other very good candidates. Garrett Cole had a great month, great mm-hmm. month of May, but Rich Hill has solidified himself as a dominant number two behind Tyler Glass now. And we know how good the Rays bullpen end is. We know how good Glasnow is. We know that somehow, some way, even if we've never heard of the hitter before, the Rays find ways to win offensively. Their one possible weakness was the gap that was created by the loss of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. Rich Hill has made that gap seem so much smaller. So now I'll talk about May. Six starts... Over 34 innings pitched, 34 and two-thirds, 0.78 ERA, only four extra base hits, a 145 opponent opposing batting average, and a 217 opponent weighted on base average. That's his career best <laughs> in May. For Rich Hill, career best in 2021 at age 41 years old. His left on base percentage, Pat, I know how much you love this. Oh, it's one of my favorites, yep. Guess what Rich Hills is? 92%. (laughs) 99.3%. Wow, I I shortchanged him. I'm sorry there, Rich. (laughs) Is that not incredible? That's fantastic. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It's fantastic. I and I do want to kind of speak to your point too, just on on Tampa as a whole, you know, with the Morton departing as well as Blake Snell. Have we noticed how 
poor both of them have been yes. this season. The second they get out of Tampa Bay, there is something about that Tampa Bay development staff that just works with pitchers. And there is something about the second that these guys leave that team. Tampa just knows when to cut bait with guys. Yeah, and listen, I'm not saying that Blake Snell is about to regress and never live up to the name. That is not at all what I mean. But... He's been really poor this season, and Charlie Morton has been hit hard this season. So it's just something interesting to follow here as Tampa continues to have this revolving door of pitchers, and they continue to perform. Now, what I want to spotlight with Hill is that he is just so different than the pitcher that we think of in in today's game. And the first thing I do when I look at that is that he's pitched 57 innings. He's got 60 strikeouts. That's barely over one (laughs) per inning. That is not something you think of in a dominant pitcher that would be winning, you know, this type of award for us. But it doesn't matter with Rich Hill because, as you said, everyone gets stranded on base. He's not allowing hard contact, which is what I'm going to bring up. His average exit velocity is in the 35th percentile. The hardest hit ball that he allows in the 12th percentile. The biggest one is that his barrel percentage is only in the 23rd percentile. You are not able to get the barrel on the ball. You are not able to hit the ball hard. And then my favorite part of it, his fastball is in the fifth percentile for velocity. (laughs) He is 95% slower than the rest of the league. And it doesn't matter because he doesn't walk you. He might not strike you out, but he's going to pitch to contact and the Rays have solid enough defense. And he put together a spectacular month. And that is why I love that pick because it is just so different for what we think about in today's MLB. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. I, I'm going to mention Sm- Snell and Morton at the end, so remind me once I get back to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But uh, I think we should spend maybe an entire podcast p- highlighting every single player on this Rays roster because mm-hmm. they deserve some time to themselves. Every single pitcher and every single positional player. I'm getting to the point where I don't know why pitchers continue to be dealt to Tampa. If Tampa sees something and you're pitcher, then you hold on for dear life. <laughs> do not trade them. They're going to turn into something great. And, and if the, Tampa's willing to trade them, do not take them. Exactly. <laughs> their player. Yeah, like Willie Adamas in that in the, that Oof. case that I was talking about. And that's a little different because they have so much yes. talent in the mind. Please bring up Wander. Please. Yeah. It's time. But anyways, the the way that these guys develop in this system. That's what it is. And now going to to Snell and Morton. Charlie Morton is a little different because he was in Houston before. I think he kind of solidified himself as a pitcher before he went to Tampa. Blake Snell was a, a ray through and through. And it's almost like he got it in his head, Snell, that this wasn't the environment for him. Mm-hmm. And he was better than the Rays. I, I think that's fair. And he could go longer, and he needed more of a leash, and all those things. And, of course, it was exacerbated by the way he left in the World Series. The Astros just put a seven spot on him in three innings. He's not Something is wrong with yes. Blake Snell. Something mechanically is wrong because he looks like a shell of himself. And, of course, that isn't all because... He left Tampa Bay. No, but it's, no, no. It's not a coincidence. And it, you see it with so many other pitchers. I mean, you saw it with Chris Archer, who then came Ooh. back to Tampa and was better than he was when he left. It is so weird. It's I, I would like to be a fly on the wall with Kevin Cash and everybody else in that Rays organization. 
Yeah, that listen, that Archer deal is one of the bigger robberies there with Tyler yeah. Glass now going back that has developed. And it, it, for him, it's all about health because when he stays healthy, one of the elite pitchers in the game, and we know Austin Meadows has turned into a very nice player for them as well, yeah. again, also needing to stay healthy uh, for them. Uh, it's, it's Tampa Bay. Something's magical about how they play down there and how they develop players. Um, and I think that makes you even just on an off point makes you even more excited for say a Wander Franco coming up for oh, yeah. what he could possibly turn into. Maybe he's going to be the guy that they finally pay that they cannot help but keep forever. He listen. The goal for them has to be that he would be the next Evan Longoria for them, who they did oh. pay and then eventually trade, of course. But yeah, that's I think that's kind of the ceiling that you're trying to look at for a Wander Franco. Was Longoria homegrown for them too? He was. Yeah, that's the thing, because you get them under control, and mm-hmm. that's what it is. They they really just manipulate <laughs> the time of these players, which is the way everybody does it. But that's what you got to do. You got to identify the talent, and then you have the leash to run with them and see how they do. And it's not just Wander Franco. It's yeah. Taylor Walls, who already came up. It's Vidal Brujan, who is potentially more major league ready than Franco is right now. It's so much. And then just to go circle back to Rich Hill, since... He's the reason why we're talking about the race. (laughs) I love when pitchers don't have to throw 100 miles per hour to get attention. Getting soft contact, getting an out, is just as valuable as getting a strikeout. Yep. It doesn't matter how many batters you strike out. Rich Hill gets it done, period. It should be more of a focus. Listen, the goal of a pitcher is to get outs. It doesn't have to be through a strikeout every single time. Yeah. These, uh, there are guys like Rich Hill that are out there and able to get it and deserve in praise. And just as a side note, he did throw eight innings against the Royals and had 13 strikeouts. And the reason why that's a big deal is because Rich Hill is 41 years old. You can yeah. have both. You can have both. Also, again, a very cool story as he was in the Independent League pitching for the yeah. Long Island Ducks not too long ago. So Love that. We've got some cool stories to lead things off. Did you do? Yeah, all right. Yeah, do your AL pitcher. Yeah, yeah, I can go through pitch. This one shouldn't be too long. Um, so I am going to a team that we have talked about a ton so far this season, and it's going back to the Chicago White Sox. And I will be going with their horse, who they traded for in this offseason, that we both lauded when they acquired him from the Texas Rangers, and that is Lance Lynn coming off a fantastic month of May. 4-0 with a .96 earn run average, 28 innings pitched a .89 whip and 28 strikeouts in those 28 innings. Again, Lynn is, I like it because it's kind of a mixture of Rich Hill and that more dominant pitcher where you know he can ramp up the strikeouts, he can ramp up the velocity, but he's also not a, you know, a 14 strikeout per night kind of guy. Um, and what he's doing there to really lead that that staff, especially while Lucas Giolito has kind of had some ups and downs so far this season. You know, they're still bringing around Kopech, as well, Dylan Cease has has an upper year or has had a more a year where he's been on the rise a little bit. Lance Lynn has held it together and he's given the White Sox a lot of really good innings. And for me, it was a a very strong month, and I defaulted to him for my American League pitcher. Yeah, that's a really good pick, and I, I I've talked about it ad nauseum, honestly, how much I love Lance Lynn because of how far he can go into games. He is yep. just a horse. He's a that's horse. The only he's a word horse. to describe him. It's so funny talking about this. White Sox team, who've been 7-3 and three in their last 10, really since the whole Tony La Russa drama died down. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Um, the roles have been switched in the White Sox rotation. If you would have told me that Carlos Rodon and Dylan Cease 
for a while there were holding this rotation up on their shoulders, I would have told you you were crazy. Because <laughs> Lancelin hit the IL, and really since he came yep. back from the IL, he's been dominant. Giolito has gotten better of late. Kopech, unfortunately, hit the IL. He, he'd been doing pretty well. These guys just stepped up, and now, as Keiko gets better, as Lance Lynn is really rounding into form, Giolito has looked really good lately. That's a scary, scary rotation. And I think Lance, I think Lance Lynn, uh, I was going to say should be their one. I think Giolito on a good day is their one. And I agree. Lance Lynn is one of the best twos in the American League, if he's going to slot in as the two. He is, and I would be hard-pressed to mention as well. He held hitters to a 139 batting average against, and wow. this is this is my favorite stat, which is why I'm upset I didn't mention it in my opening for him. So as I said, he pitched 28 innings in the month of May. He allowed 23 total bases. Jeez. <laughs> so if you're making contact, if you're getting on base, it wasn't hard contact, and it wasn't for extra bases. So wow. what, a mo- what a month for Lance Lynn. The Chicago White Sox are on fire. And we'll see if Tony Larusa uh, sets them on fire again in a different way <laughs> at some point no. this season. I'm sure he will. Yeah, that's a good pick. He's always gonna finish top top ten in AL or NL Cy Young voting. It's just what he, he does. Is. He's always. just so consistent. Quietly, uh, like we said, he is a horse, and he just yeah. goes out there and competes, and he gets it done. Yeah. So a guy who goes out there and competes specifically in the NL, I'll say some guys, some honorable mention guys. Mm-hmm. None of my honorable mentions still were the guys you picked. I love Going that. back to my point about how many players had a good month. Austin Riley on the Braves. Yes, he was he was my second pick. Very good month. Um, Jock Peterson finally got things together. together. Excuse me. He's the reason why the Cubs are playing so well right now. You had Trey Turner had a quietly good month. Fernando Tatis obviously deserves to be on that list. And Chris Bryant were some of my my honorables. Mm-hmm. The guy who took the cake, Nick Castellanos. Absolutely stud. This, this guy, I can't believe the Reds don't have a better record. Truly. He is second in the league in OPS and slugging, fourth in on-base percentage, first in batting average with a 356 batting average. He has a 183 WRC plus right now, 83% better than league average, 12 homers, 2.8 war. He's doing everything. And he's a plus defender in May specifically, 409 average, 1.143 OPS, which is even better than Semyon's, 485 BABIP, and his K percentage, which struck out to me, is only 19%. I see 20% as kind of a threshold. Do you agree with that? It's so funny that you say that. The 19% K rate was exactly what I was going to go to. Really? Yes. I think if you're below 20, you're considered in in the good half of hitters and strikeout percentage. 19% for him is also a career low in May. He was in the news at the beginning because of that stupid suspension. Stupid as The Rays have really lost steam of late. His teammate, Jesse Winker, has also had an incredible season so far. Nobody's talking about him. Nick Castellanos signed this deal. The Reds wanted Nick Castellanos and Mike Moustakis that that offseason where they did all those moves to try and bolster themselves in the NL Central. It didn't pan out, but this guy was one hell of a signing. He's a stud. He's he's an absolute stud, and it's I I go back to what was it our first or second weekly walk off, uh, and, and talking about the the Reds and basically the home run derby 
that they were playing yeah. between Tyler Naquin and Nick Castellanos. Yeah. And Casti- Naquin's another guy. Yes, and, and Castellanos has really kept it up. And just the, the numbers that I look at, this is for the full season, not just in May, but it's just because they're insane, it has to be said. He's slugging 640 right now. 640. His OPS is over 1,000, which is how you know you're having a great season because his on-base percentage is also over 400. It, what Castellanos is doing is fantastic. He, you know, age 29... Trade possible trade candidate, even mm. though he just signed that contract. Uh, it, it's an intriguing question for Cincinnati, especially if someone is to come with them for with a big offer. But Nick Castellanos has to be. It, it's unfortunate that the Reds have been so poor because you would imagine he would be towards the front of the National League MVP race oh, yeah. if they were actually in contention. But that's not going to happen this year. But you know what a month and what a season so far for Castellanos. He has Mike Trout numbers right yeah, now. Yeah, it's it's insane. That's what I thought of when I saw his numbers. Mike Trout, and he, now he's top four in all of these offensive categories. The Reds are five and a half games out of the Central, and that's a weak Central. Mm-hmm. They, they just, they really need to figure themselves out. And I thought they were in a prime position, and Luis Castillo has just been completely missing. lost. <laughs> completely I mean, missing. literally missing. Sonny Gray has started to pitch better. I picked him up in fantasy, which is a oh, huge nice. pickup for me. I dropped Luis Castillo because he cannot be trusted anymore. And he was one of my picks preseason to have a – it wouldn't even be considered a sneaky good year because he's always he's already mm-hmm. been established as one of the top 20 best pitchers in the league. I was willing to put him in that category. And the Reds just can't ever put it all together at the same time. I actually think – Castellanos would be a huge trade candidate, but if he keeps this up, I don't even know how many players it would cost. It would cost <laughs> three major league ready players to have somebody of this magnitude. Yeah, just the, the season he's having is unbelievable, and and a number I can give you to kind of sum that up is that he has posted a two point eight WAR. His so far this season, you know, heading into June, his career high for WAR in a single in a season is two point nine. He is 0.1 off of posting his career high in war, and we are two months into the season. Yeah, that's full season war that you're talking full, about. Full season war. That is wow. not month of May war. Wow. And I had already considered him a pretty decent player. Yeah. So that what he's doing now is just unbelievable. He is on just another track. Yeah. Wow. It's, it is insane right now. Wow. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, as I just talked about OPS... For Nick Castellanos, I can give you someone with a higher OPS over oh. the last month, and that is who I'm going with with my player of the month. We've talked about it before. It was a month of ups and downs for the Los Angeles Dodgers, yet they still find a, found a way to finish the month with a positive record at 16-11. and 11. And with that, for the second month in a row, my National League player comes from the Dodgers, and this time it's Max Muncy. And Max Muncy has really helped hold together this Dodgers lineup as, you know, they wait for the reinforcements of the Cody Bellingers and such. But over the last month, he is hitting 345 with a 450 on base percentage and a 1200 OPS. 1200 OPS to add to that 10 home runs, 19 RBIs. He's a stud. He does this every single year. He is, again, one of the, you know, the poster children of the Dodgers operation 
for what they're able to do, you know, getting him off the scrap heap in Oakland and turning him into a superstar in LA. He's in the 99th percentile and expected weighted on base. He's in the 100th percentile in walk percentage, which you could probably guess by the 450 on base percentage. And also, you know, when he swings, the barrel's going on the ball. 94th percentile. He doesn't swing at balls. The 100th percentile for chase rate. He is one of the most disciplined players in the league. He forces pitchers to throw them strikes. And when the pitcher comes in the zone, he punishes them. Crazy month for Max Muncie, my player of the month. Pat, he might be one of the unspoken heroes of baseball. He's one of the unspoken heroes of the Dodgers over the last couple of years. Yeah, I heard something lately. Oh, man, I don't remember what it was from. Justin Turner's always been the guy. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, Max Muncie might actually be the guy. He might be the Dodger. And I had always thought it was Turner. And maybe you don't have to make a decision because Turner and Muncie have been the reason why the Dodgers have stayed afloat. Those have really been the two guys that have been healthy this whole season. Side note, you deserve a lot of credit because you called Gavin Lux coming around. Thank, thank you very month. much. That one felt good after I yeah. called him out and said how badly they needed him. He tur- he really turned things around. But if a player like Muncie didn't exist, I would feel sad about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> he is perfect. He is He does everything right. He forces player he forces pitchers to come at him and when they do, they make a mistake. He's so patient, he's so disciplined, he knows the strike zone so well, which is becoming a lost art. Doesn't flail, doesn't chase. He's good defensively too, which people don't really talk at about. At multiple positions as well. Yeah, he's very versatile. Yeah, I, I don't have I I can't say enough about Muncie. That's the expression. I really can't say enough about him. And he really does not get talked about. All of these guys, I don't feel like get enough credit. But Munty truly, amongst all the other stars in L.A., besides the pitching staff, Munty has been the most valuable Dodger this season. Yeah, he, he really has been. And just to, to kind of talk about the, the type of player he is and, and characterize it into one type of thing, he is the worst type of hitter for a pitcher to face. Yes. Because, he, as you said, he doesn't swing at balls outside the zone. He's not going to get himself out. And then he makes hard contact when you do come in the zone. And you know he's got the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Also, the twenty, he's got that magic number for you. He's at a 22% strikeout rate. So right yeah. there, around right there. 20%. He is so dangerous right now. And, uh, you know, again, helps keep the Dodgers afloat. And still, all through all the turbulence, through all the press they got for, for struggling, they have, were five games over 500 in the month of May. <laughs> they found themselves. The they Dodgers. Themselves. We, we ran the, the alarm bells way yes. too early. <laughs> the, the Dodgers just drone on. Yeah. I, I think last postseason, Muncie actually really struggled average-wise. He did. I'm pretty sure he was at 200, and his on-base percentage was still league average. He just <laughs> finds ways to get on base. It doesn't even matter if he's lost his swing a little bit he can still be so valuable to your lineup. And that's in the four spot. Mm-hmm. He was hitting sub sub 200 in the four spot because Dave Roberts had so much confidence in him to still make things happen, and he did. Yeah. Hey, listen, he'll hit wherever they put him. <laughs> yeah, literally. I I like that. He Muncie definitely deserves that that uh that honor, our prestigious honor. Very prestigious. NL position player of the month. I'll go to a team we haven't talked about. There we go. The Milwaukee Brewers, who have quietly put together, maybe even not so quietly, a very good month. 
They're now 29 and 25, four games over 500, just a game and a half out of the Central. The Central is becoming maybe the NL East. I, I'm starting oh. to think that the NL Central is starting to become the NL East. And I don't I, this is a, a question for another time, but like, when is Atlanta going to get better? How many more months are we going to give them? I, before? I, I started to ring that alarm bell. I'm not yeah. sure they're going to. The Cubs are 30 and 23, which is mind blowing. That blows the Cardinals my mind. are 30 and 24, and Milwaukee's 29 and 25. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That is pretty good. Atlanta is 25 and 26 in the two spot in the East right now. But anyways, the my NL pitcher of the month is Brandon Woodruff. This guy, another horse. One of, one of the best traits I just said it is length. I'm gonna go through all of his starts in May for you. Six innings, two earned runs against the Dodgers. These are some legit opponents, too. Six and two-thirds, just one run against Philly. Seven seven and two-thirds, just one run against the Cardinals. Seven and two-thirds, one run against Kansas City. Seven innings, zero earned runs against San Diego. Seven innings, zero earned runs against Washington. How many of those, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, teams that I just mentioned are playoff teams? Yeah. One, two, three. Definitely three, maybe four if Philly or Washington sneaks in. That's that's legit, and that's mm-hmm. seven straight quality starts, if not more, going back into April. He He's 42 innings pitched, just 20 hits, only five earned runs. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. His strikeout numbers don't pop off the page, even though this this month specifically they do. The number that I love and that I wanted to highlight, 0.64 home runs per nine. He just doesn't <laughs> let the ball leave the park. And that is why his numbers are so good when you can say seven innings and less than two earned runs. I laugh. That be- wins games. It does. That wins games. And I laugh because, again, you went exactly where I wanted to on that that home run per nine because – Again, that, that stat is, it, it doesn't get a, a ton of publicity, but it is so important, especially in today's baseball, today's game of baseball, where you know everyone is trying to get that launch angle, is yeah. trying to get the barrel on, is trying to hit the ball out. So when you are able to limit home runs in the, in the way that he is able to, it, it is so valuable to your team. And looking at it over the last month, because you know I, I love looking at these, his batting average against is 118. Yeah. It's ins- and then batting average on balls in play, which is great to see. You know, when the ball is put in play, how much is it falling? One sixty-two. It-, it was a dominant month for him. He is far and away the ace of that Milwaukee Brewers team, and he is pitching them basically into staying alive. <laughs> yeah. In that division, because he is so good. Uh, the you rarely see a point differential so small yes. between BABIP and opposing average. <clears throat> Excuse me. Usually they're pretty. Substantial. Yeah. yeah, pretty substantial. You don't see them that close and that minuscule for pitchers. It's funny you said runaway, because I think Corbin Burns is a close second ace. I still think you could call him an ace. But I th- I was willing to say maybe two or three weeks ago that it is literally a crime that the Brewers have such a bad offense because it they is. are just wasting Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns... Devin Williams, and Josh Hader. Just wasting. Mm. 
and finally they're starting to put things together. A lot of them are one-run one walk-off wins and extra innings, but hey, what, a win's a win, whatever works. But the offense just has to step up because this pitching staff is historic. Literally, it, it, Corbin Burns has already been historic, and Brandon Woodruff is now arguably a top-five pitcher in the league since as far back as 2018. Yeah, I, and I love that you went back to 2018 because it is true. Woodruff is not just has burst on the scene this year. No. He has been a very consistent pitcher over the last couple of years and has really started to blossom into a star is how I, I would like to frame it for them. And, and I do like how you noted that as well. I, I Corbin Burns deserves plenty of praise. Yeah. You know, especially for that the April that he had was honestly out of this world. I give Woodruff a little bit of the nod and it's mostly going back to the longer body of work. From Woodruff, but man, Milwaukee could use a bat to try to try and stay alive there. So we'll see if they make a make an acquisition because, as you said, that pitching staff is fantastic. <sighs> Anytime a guy goes into seven innings nowadays, it, it puts them almost an ace mm-hmm. ace the stratosphere. <laughs> oh yeah, no, could, yeah. could not agree more. Who and you got? I, I will round things out then with a pitcher that again, it, it's someone that you know I I feel like doesn't get enough credit for how good he actually is. And again, for him, a lot of it is when he's healthy, he's really, really good. And that, especially this year, has been Zach Wheeler. And he kind of goes more to the Woodruff mode where he can be incredibly dominant, especially with that strikeout rate. And we're seeing it right now. He's got a almost 13 strikeout to walk rate. You know, over the last month, he held hitters to a 177 average. And a lot of it I go to is the dominance. He pitched 36 innings as well over this last month, a 1-4 ERA, a, 7, a .74 whip, and almost 13 strikeouts per nine to go with that 13 strikeouts per walks. Um, it were 13, I can't speak apparently, <laughs> a walk rate of 13 to one for, uh, for strikeouts. Um, it has been just, Wheeler has really blossomed, again, using that word as we did with Woodruff, into a top-end starter. It's such oh, yeah. a nice compliment to Nola there in Philly. I was glad to see him get paid last winter, and for him, it really has always been about health, because whenever he's on the mound, he, especially since t- 2018, he has been so, so good, and we are seeing it in full effect in Philadelphia. Oh, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. I thought the amount of money that he got from the Phillies was unfathomable. Really? I thought there was a 0.0% chance, a negative percent chance, that he was going to succeed. In Philly. Really? Zero percent. That's and I so have, interesting. I don't know if I've ever been so wrong. <sighs> that, that, that's okay. We all miss on that. Trust me, I've had plenty of misses. Yeah, yeah that for... might have been the biggest mistake. That must have been might have been the most I've ever been wrong about a player because he is now in the category of he is a guy that you can maybe think back in a couple of years and say, oh yeah, I saw Zach Wheeler pitch. He struck fourteen guys out the other night in mm-hmm. seven innings. Are you kidding me? And, and the funny thing is, too, you talk about that contract. That's a guy you could look back in two years and say they only gave him 118 million. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm so I forgot you were gonna say Wheeler. I am mm-hmm. so excited we are talking about him. Okay, talk about a crime for the Brewers. It is a crime that the Phillies are wasting potentially. I'm going to say it. A top three. One, two, three punch in the National League. Yeah. I would give the Dodgers and 
actually not even this year. In the past, I would have said Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. But Corbin has been horrible this year. Yeah, not this year. Maybe a healthy Lamette, and you do a Darvish-Snell-Lamette. That would be pretty good. Nola has been phenomenal for seasons and seasons. Wheeler has been really good. And Zach Eflin this year took a huge step forward. And the Phillies are, I think they're below 500. They're 25 and 29. Mm-hmm. Five games out of first place. Bullpen, they need a bat. <laughs> Talk about teams needing a bat. But Wheeler has been so, so good. And he might he might be the prime example of how valuable longevity is and length is for pitchers. Yeah, and listen, it's not like you were completely unjustified in your thoughts here. A lot of people thought this was a risk. you know. Yeah, it was the injuries. It was the injuries. And giving him that type of money. But I think what we're seeing with that deal so far through a year and a half is that, you know, sometimes that potential can pay off. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, maybe he didn't have that many innings on his arm with the Mets didn't have as much tear because he wasn't healthy. So you're getting a more rested, you know, pitcher with more miles left in the tank uh, as Wheeler might have now. And I think we're finally seeing it. And it's very exciting for the Phillies and their fans to see Wheeler kind of grow into this pitcher that I think uh, a lot of people have seen glimpses of, but yeah. we, we've never seen fully take take uh, form. I hate giving the Philly front office so much credit for all yeah, that I, stuff I, you just I, said. As do, as do I. Don't <laughs> trust me. Especially you. Yeah, I can't stand them. But it happens so infrequently now for the risk to pay off, right? Because injuries just pile up and things mm-hmm. happen. And even Aaron Hicks, now people are going back on the Aaron Hicks contract, which at yes. the time wasn't even considered a risk. But injuries just get in the way so much. But Zach Wheeler has really has really solidified himself as one of the best pitchers in baseball. And he certainly sure. has. Yeah. I mean, talk about, seven innings has become such a treat. Wheeler can go into eight innings seemingly on a dime. He won't even need to go eight innings if Rod Manfred gets his way in uh, in the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. What does <laughs> that mean? When all games are seven innings. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the next step. That's what Rob wants. Exactly. Put it, put it in pencil. <laughs> all right, so that wraps up our AL and NL pitcher and player of the month. Do you have off the top of your head who you picked for April? Uh, I know... Four. Uh, I do not. I think it, it was Byron Buxton, Jacob DeGrom, oh. just, Justin Turner, and I am blanking on American League pitching. Okay. I, I, it, that's pretty much all of them. I know you, Danny I Duffy. You Danny Duffy. Got Danny it. Danny Duffy. Yep. Yeah, he's been so, on IL wow. basically all month. Complete turnaround. You, you had another Dodger. Had but another we got Dodger. the Brewers. We got the Phillies. We got the Reds. A whole spectrum of, tre- of teams, really. Which on is all. the way to do it. It's All fun, sides like. of winning and losing. Yeah, yes. that was fun. I lo- I truly, these are my favorite types of episodes. Yeah, I love cool doing one. stuff like this. Sweet. And um, I teased it a little bit, and I think I actually even said it before, but we're going to do each team's MVP next week. It's going to be a lot of work. I can't wait to do all the research. And we're going to do a deep dive into how one player on each team has been performing this month. And you might see some repeats. You, you might have to see some repeats I, based on how... You, I- good these guys are that we just talked about i'll give you a spoiler right now nick castellanos is the reds MVP for <laughs> is me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> semi and vladdy i think you could yeah you could kind of pick yep, out of a hat yep. but uh i'm gonna go to the nba playoffs for my number cool and i think this one is pretty good it's 27.3 that is the craziest number i heard this week julius randall pat 
has hit 20 of his 73 shots in this series against the Atlanta Hawks. That is 27.3% of his shots. That is also the fifth lowest field goal percentage in a four-game span in the playoffs since 1960. And what makes it even harder to swallow is that Randall averaged 37.3 points per game against the Hawks in the regular season. Right now, it's just 16.8. That drop-off, the game planning, that Nate McMillan, I know how much of a Nate McMillan stan you are. Mm-hmm. The game planning they did to absolutely eliminate Randall has now pushed the Knicks to the brink to a possible elimination game as you're listening tonight against the Hawks in Game 5. Yeah, it's game the Hawks' six. game plan has been <laughs> basically to a T. You know, even yeah. in the game that the Knicks won, they had to grind that one out late uh, before, before yeah. they pulled away. It uh, is game five, sorry. And the, <laughs> no, no problem. Um, the Knicks' offenses evaporated, plain and simple. Uh, Atlanta's been able to really key in on defense. And the thing is with the Knicks, like, and everyone's known it with the, this Knicks team this year, they're not an offensive juggernaut. They have won games on defense and being able to, you know, limit chances, limit good looks, get a ton of rebounds. And they just haven't been able to do that. Trey Young has ripped them to shreds. It mostly, you know, just getting into the lane. And his floater had basically hasn't missed in this series. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen the range. He hit one from the logo uh, a couple of days ago. The Knicks have struggled with that. And I know a lot of people came into it and said this is the perfect matchup for the Knicks. It it really wasn't, and it really isn't, as we've seen, just because they struggle with these high-octane offenses. And that's exactly what Atlanta is. Yeah, and Atlanta doesn't play any defense. No, they don't. But the thing is, the Knicks don't... If Julius Randle isn't hitting his shots, the Knicks don't really... R.J. Barrett's developed nicely this year, but he's still not a guy you trust to go out there and say, get you 25 a night. Right. Neither is Derrick Rose, and that's why he's just been absolutely gassed. They're riding Rose, yeah. And he's shown so... It it has been so much much fun to watch him. Mm -hmm. He has shown so much. Even guys like Obi Toppin. It's it's fun to watch this series. This is the one series... That I think I've watched every single minute of every game. I've mostly just flipped through the other ones, watched good chunks of some, but I am really, really interested in this Knicks Hawks series. And I think it has definitely the capability to go to seven. I still oh, think it will I, go to seven. Ex- that's exactly what I was going to say is that even with all of that said, I do not count the Knicks out on this, yeah. you know, elimination game. Going but, back home. I- I- exactly. I. This series, Atlanta has kind of gotten away from them a little bit as the Knicks haven't been able to find a groove. But, you know, as you said, two days now in between games, going back to Madison Square Garden, I would be very surprised if the Knicks do not come out firing uh, mm. on, on Wednesday night and find a way to win this game and push it to game six. And, and then who Agreed. knows from there. So, Agree. Yeah, yeah. we still we still seen some really good games. The, oh, definitely. The Wizards avoided a sweep. That surprised me. The Heat are now the only team. (laughs) Me too. It's mostly because Joel Embiid left the first quarter. But the the Heat are the only team that have been swept in round one, which I think is surprising considering some of the matchups. Shout out Ty. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ty. (laughs) Our guy Ty, he's he's having a good time right now. He's He's having a good time, as he should be. (laughs) As as he should be. So, yes. Now, as you said, we've we've had some good series. So, it's been a fun start to the NBA postseason. Yeah. All right, where are you where are you moving us now? Sweet, I'm I'm gonna stay in the postseason, but move across okay. sports and actually move across countries as well. Here as we go to to the hockey playoffs, and for me, it is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and my number is eight. 
and that is that the Toronto Maple Leafs have lost eight straight games in which they've had the opportunity to clinch a series. They have lost winner-take-all games in the last four postseasons, which is unbelievable, and they have not won a playoff series since 2004. They have not won a Stanley Cup since 1968, I believe. I might be off by a year there, and they are one of the flagship franchises in hockey. They are star-studded, they are high-flying, they are supposed to be high-octane on offense, and they find a year or find a way every single year to lose and usually lose in heartbreaking fashion as this one's going to sting more than most, blowing a 3-1 lead to one of their biggest rivals in the Montreal Canadiens. Another year, another loss, another painful exit for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pat, can you repeat the clinching stat again? I need that to sink it's, in. It's mind-blowing, yes. Eight straight losses in series clinching games and four straight postseasons in which they've lost winner-take-all games. Eight straight. Eight, eight straight. Eight. How does that? How is that even possible? They've had eight chances to clinch, and they haven't done it Once. any of those eight times. <laughs> Once. Uh, they, oh, my God. They are well and truly cursed. They, they it's, <laughs> there's no other explanation at this point. Fans should just stop going to the games. Maybe that'll help. (laughs) And they will never, ever do that (laughs) because Toronto fans love their team. Uh, It is a rabid fan base. So 1967, excuse me. I I knew I was off by a year. Um, It was their last Stanley Cup. It's it's incredible. It doesn't make sense. And that's where it is. And on top of that, 2004 was the last time they won a playoff series. It it is crazy. It is like the to put it that way. It is like the New York Yankees, you know, not winning a playoff series for the last fifteen years. Yeah, being just, that dominant. It's yeah. it's just it's mind blowing. It's such a good stat. It's horrifying. It is, but horrifying. it is such a good stat. And you hear all the time about the the quote unquote regular playoff droughts, mm-hmm. like the Browns, the Mariners just can't make it to the playoffs. Sacramento Kings. It's a whole another ball game to make it to the playoffs to be ahead in a playoff series and to lose eight straight clinching games. It's I'm just going to keep repeating it. Eight mm-hmm. straight. It's and, crazy. And seriously, this one may hurt the most with a, yeah. a 3-1 series lead against your division rival and blowing Oof. that. With game seven Oof. being at home as well. Um, with the first their first game of the season with fans, it was 500 uh, healthcare professionals from Toronto. Oh, cool. For, and they found a way to lose it. So just a, a painful end to what was a very, very hopeful season for Toronto. Yeah, they've got to turn it around quickly because mm-hmm. they are going to be remembered for this forever. Yeah, it, and it's a pressure cooker it. there. Yeah. It, it is a pressure cooker in the National Hockey League in Toronto. And Man. they have not found a way to get it done. What and a crazy have, stat. It, it really is. And they have spent a ton of money on, on assembling one of the top offensive units in the entire sport. But it dries up every single postseason. <laughs> Just for it to end like this, mm-hmm. eight straight times. Just, wow. just, just drill that in. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> Mike, exactly. Mic drop. Well, that is how we will end things then <laughs> here on the Did You Hear Pod with our May American League and National League players of the month be sure to subscribe to the show on itunes and follow us on spotify leave a rating as well as it really helps us out and follow us on instagram and twitter at did you hear pod we will be back at it on thursday to walk off the week here and otherwise emma that's a wrap 